We're finally doing it. We're finally asking the question, what is art and why does it matter? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking peoples, thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, semi-starving artist, depends on the day. And with me, as always, is my astonishingly artistic co-host. Nathan Clark's an actor, author, filmmaker, and um, um, sub, I didn't think of this, uh, definitive artist. Definitive art, because artist. we're defining, because we're defining. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> hey, it works. I'm I'm down for it. I'll allow it. Um, yes. Anyway, finally here by popular demand, we are going to be defining art today. Um, but first, you know, honestly, you know, it's great because nobody else has, everyone has been trying to define art and we're going to be the ones who do it. Uh, so you heard it here first, you're witnessing history. This is history in the making, folks. Um, but yeah. First, uh, before we get started, Nathan, uh, if people enjoy our discussion and want to engage more with our content and meet fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.world where they can find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail there. They can also go to our online Facebook group called The Overthinkers. We have almost 20,000 overthinkers just like yourself getting into great discussions about all the fun stuff we talk about here and posting tons of intellectual memes. Memes! If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a review and sharing with a friend. And also, we want to give a big shout out uh, to one of our very own overthinkers who requested this episode. Um, we, we we humbly accept the uh, the lofty uh, the task of defining art, and we are had just enough hubris to believe, uh, not believe, know that we can do this. So thank you to Kayla for um, suggesting this episode, and we hope you enjoy it. And if not, don't tell us because we have very fragile egos. There you go. Okay. Um, ready to get started? Let's do it. Awesome. Art, as Dr. Ellen Disanyake has said in her book, What is Art For? Art is like the words love or happiness, in that everyone knows what they mean or recognizes what they refer to, but when pressed, finds them difficult to define with consistency or wide application. And this seems to be the case, especially with art. For example, Britannica defines art as a visual object or experience consciously created through the expression of skill or imagination. And yet, as you can probably notice already, that leaves out art that might not be visual, like, I don't know, music. Many, <laughs> many philosophers despair of ever figuring out a definition of art. This might maybe why uh, so many philosophers have disagreed on what art is. Plato holds that the in the Republic and elsewhere, the arts are representations of real things, which need to be seen past in order to see reality. Kant saw art as representation for its own sake. Hegel defined art as portraying beauty and beauty as the sensuous, perceptual appearance or expression of absolute truth. In 1917, when Dada artist Marcel Duchamp submitted a porcelain urinal entitled Fountain to the public exhibition in New York City, he put forward a new definition of what constitutes work of art, implying that it is enough for an artist to deem something art and put it in a publicly accepted venue. That said, not everybody agrees that we need to even define the term art. Both Dr. Alan Designaghe and Dorothy Sayers noted that artists have not needed to be able to define art in order to make art good. And yet, 
Both they and Leo Tolstoy, who wrote the book What is Art, argue that we do need to understand art in order to value it rightly as a society, not too much, not too little, and to value it in the right ways. Artists often complain that they can't get funding for projects unless it will make money or will push some religious or political message. Filmmaker Roger Eggers has bemoaned that the only choices for an artist in the modern day is to make art for self-centered self-expression or for crass monetary gain. Dorothy Sayers argues in Toward a Christian Aesthetic that this is a direct result of interpreting art as mere representation the way that Plato did. So how we define art clearly matters. Nathan, as an artist, how do you understand what it means to make art and how you define the art that you make? What does it mean to you? Well, this is funny because in preparation of this episode, I actually had to ask myself, you know, the question that we're all trying to answer today, which is, what is art? And which is funny that I, um, I have been uh, professionally making or being a part of art um, for my entire adult life, which is over 15 years, a decade and a half. And I've been a professional artist. And I'm sitting here going, okay, now I'm going to have this. It's going to be easy. And I'm and I'm asking myself, all right, Nathan, what is art? And I'm like, oh, wow. This is because every time I come up with like a an answer, I'd be like, yeah, but what about this? You know, those kind of things. So any kind of definition felt either too um, too constraining or or too ethereal. Yeah. Too abstract. And so it, it this is a really interesting question because it's something that we all know you know like pornography they say it's you know it when you see it you know it <laughs> when you see it and it's like i think most of us know what an artistic thing is um but at the same time it's really it's really difficult to actually definitively say what is and what is not art or particularly articulate that in some sort of words um now the the what i kind of tend towards is you know i we have all of these these discussions I've ran around in uh, artistic communities and friendships for years and years and years. And very often you hear these things said, um, you know, let's say you're walking out of a movie or you're at a museum and you see a piece of art, you hear someone say, and I'm sure I've been guilty of saying this before, that's not real art. That's not art. And they'll, they'll see something that uh, other some people do call art that, that an artist technically created. And they'll say, that's not art. And usually it's, this is art. You know, uh, the Avengers isn't art. The Godfather is art. <laughs> yeah. you know, things like that. And um, that always struck me as interesting because, uh, and, and I, I usually find that very unhelpful. Uh, when someone says, this is art or this isn't art. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I have found to be more helpful is this is good art or this bad art, you know, in your opinion. Um, so that, that's one place I begin this is I might even say that uh, b- before we start saying what is and isn't art, as we divvy it up, all these things that we come in contact with on a daily basis, this is or this isn't art, maybe we should start looking at this a little differently and say, well, um, this isn't great art and this is great art. But that still doesn't answer the question, what is art? Just like <laughs> definitely. And so I think if I'm really, I'm really trying to waste time. So I'll actually have to give my definition. <laughs> so the best that I've been able to come up with, and I need all of you to just track with me for a second, because um, I'm not reading off of notes. This is just off the dome, uh, out of the, the abyss that is my mind. Um, so the, the, the thing that I tend towards, and I think has maybe some definitional merit to it, is art is a created thing that has with an intention beyond mere function uh typically that involves an aesthetic or metaphoric reflection of reality 
All right. Someone write that down and put it on a poster, um, put it on my grave. So let me let me kind of walk through this a little bit. So the first part of this is art is a creative thing. So art, I do believe, can't be an accident. It has to be intentional. Yeah. Right. I don't think I don't um, think anyone would disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think art can be an accident. So so that would be kind of where I begin. It has to be an intentional act and it has to be something that is created with intention all right so that so there there's the first thing then the next part of that is beyond mere function mm -hmm. now so let, let's take a chair right um there a chair is meant for simply a function and, and we have this idea of utilitarianism right it's just for this one thing um th that's a functional thing so you sit on a chair or a hammer right you just create a hammer because it's a tool that you use I would argue that those are intentionally created things, but they're intentionally created for a function, for a particular um, practical function. A hammer hits a nail, you sit on a chair. Now, the second that you take that hammer and you, um, let, let's say you carve some, uh, some pretty things into the handle, boom, all of a sudden you're adding art to this creative piece. Uh, suddenly a hammer can be a piece of art. Um, so again, it's beyond mere function that usually has an aesthetic uh, uh, element added to it. So you can see a chair in your mind, right? We had we just have a basic chair, you know, you could, I don't know what chair you have in your mind. Let's think of a plastic chair, maybe at church, if you grew up in youth group, you know, the kind that you used to, you hold four chairs. In order to press, press the girls, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So those chairs, I would argue, would tend towards mere function, right? They're not created for aesthetics. They're not created to uh, to uh, be metaphorical of anything or to reflect reality. They're simply there for function. But the second that you take that chair and you write something on it or paint it, suddenly that chair is starting to move towards what I would believe um, an artistic expression because it's moving beyond mere function. It's a creative thing with intention, moving beyond mere function. So I would say that's my basic... That'd be my basic understanding of what art is. Joseph, tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why. Um, I like that. That's probably one of the better things, you know, that that I've that I've seen. I mean, one of the, you know, you you laid out the problem really really well. Um, in that, you know, I tried to articulate in the opener that um, it, it is the problem of, you know, how do we make it too broad versus too narrow? You know, how yeah. you know do we include everything that we would call art while excluding things that are not art. One of the things people talk about is, you know, um, well, art is representational communication. So like I'm trying to communicate, you know, a feeling and experience and I'm using something representative to do that. So I'm, I'm using a picture to do that. I'm using, um, you know, a story to do that. But of course, even words you could say are representational communication. Like, you know, Absolutely. so, and most people, when they talk about talking, they don't consider talking to be art, you know? So, but, you know, that is also an interesting case. Even your things like, okay, um, would words speaking, if you say, if you say something beautiful, you're not, or you're just talking to talk for us having just communicating and having a fun conversation would that fall on your definition of art? Because it's speaking, it's you being used beyond mere function. So that's- I actually don't think it's beyond mere function because I okay. think if you're just talking to someone, you're conveying information, right? Okay. You're just conveying information. But a poet, he will see words and sentences mm -hmm. uh, and she will take those words and sentences and turn them into art. So I do think that words actually can be art. Sure. Because they're the basic building blocks of a poet's 
Um, but when they write a poem, the the intent is not for mere function. Because if mere function would be the intent, it would be um, a woman looks like something I, it's just informational, right? Sure. Basically, say, you, you say, my love is a rose. And so that is something that's beyond mere function into something that becomes um, more aesthetic. Sure. Lean. But, so our but our conversation is not merely functional. It's not to do something else. It's also to have fun talking to each other. And so that's oh, not- all that art. So, okay. So our co a conversation between two people for the sake of having fun doing that, that would also be art. I would argue that elements of that conversation, sure. particularly when someone does something funny or uh, you know adds something more creative to the conversation to bring an aesthetic element to that interaction, like a joke, let's say, in the middle of conversation, I would say the conversation drifts into art in that moment. So that's, so you, you keep bringing up the word aesthetic. And so it's like one of the things that people often bring in is the discussion of beauty into these things. Because again, if we're talking about, you know, the conversation becomes art when we're intentionally creating it to do something beyond mere function. And so play enjoyment can be, but most people don't think of having a conversation as art. It would seem like, you know, uh, again, we think maybe we could consider this podcast art because we've, but only because we've, Great you know, art. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> That's debatable. I think some of our podcasts are more great art than others. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I think that what I, I think that there's an element of it that tends to. So I think it's interesting. There's a there's a art. There's a, a writer called Scott McCloud that um, he wrote a book called Understanding Comics. And one of the things he talked about is his very broad definition of art where you know, basically anything that you're doing beyond, you know, mere function is then art. You know, if when you kind mm -hmm. of, when you, it gives this picture of when you, um, uh, when somebody is, is running away from an animal that's chasing him and then he's able to move aside and the animal falls, you know, off the cliff. And then he looks over at him and then he go, you know, he blows a raspberry at the animal. Is that he's doing art? He's making art there, and of mm. course, you know, you also have to question, have the question of, okay, if you're making something that's representational or that is making something that is created beyond mere function, do games fall under the definition of art? Like, 100%. is 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 baseball art? Is you know, and that's saying most people don't put games under art, you know, because. Well. I would say there's still a function to baseball. There's still okay. rules. You have to hit the ball here to get this many points. Um, now, I think baseball can be performed artistically. And now, it, so I think you can, I think there are things we're, we're trying to too strongly define that is baseball art or is it not art? Well, I think that parts of it aren't. And I think that okay, parts of it right. are. So, okay. So that was, is the, that is the question then is that if, um, if, if, so I think that that is an interesting aspect of this. Okay, so you're asking, you know, is this art or is it not? And saying is art, you know, what I guess, okay, so my guess my question here is, why do you think, what things, why do you think that your definition of art that you've put is the best thing umbrella to put all the things 
under art. So like paintings, music, movies, all those things, all those things to perform something that's beyond your function. I, to me, it makes the most sense because it, it's the best that I have found. Of course, I'm, it's my definition of the best I've found, but it's the best I have found that encapsulates all of these kind of ineffable things that we, like we said, when you see it, you know it, that it encapsulates, it's a definition that encapsulates the, the most amount of things that the most amount of people consider to be art. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. I think that, you know, the idea of I'm doing this because, you know, when you watch a movie, when you read a book, when you see a play or something like that, you're going there to have a particular experience where you encounter something that gives you a sense of enjoyment, some kind of sense of enjoyment. And you're doing that not so that you can do something else. You're doing that because that thing gives you a certain intrinsic enjoyment. I think that most people would agree with that. Or I wouldn't, I would, I would hesitate with the word enjoyment because that that indicates to me that art has to be positive. I would say elicits a an a, a feeling. You do it for the purpose okay. of eliciting feeling. So okay. I mean, so you're doing it for I I I I I would agree with that. That that's maybe a bit vague. I say enjoy because whatever it is, it's a feeling you want to have. That's why I say enjoyment. It's a feeling you sure. want to have that you're going to there. So it's yes, because of course, horror films make you try to scare you. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so like, and you know, what was it? Um, Tyler Smith, a friend of the podcast, talked about the fact that uh, the, what you guys, um, you know, when people list the best movies of all time that they've seen, you know, at the top of the list is often Shawshank Redemption. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's a movie that's like full of really unpleasant experiences. Or people yes. will put at the top of their list oftentimes something like, there will be blood, which is about, you know, horrible people doing horrible things to each other for two and a half hours. And yeah. so, but there is, to some degree, it's an experience that you want to have. And you do it not so that you can do something else. Now, of course, games also fall under that definition. And so, you know, are is there a version of that? What's the difference, I guess, between um, a game, the kind of experience you want to have out of a game versus an experience you want to have out of experiencing art because that gets into the core of a uh, question we've talked about video games you know art because that's the uh, video our video games art because you know we've um because people have said well no they're not art they're games now of course our counter argument was even if you didn't consider games to be arts there's a lot of art that goes into video games well, here, here's a here's a minute little thing that i think we ought to point out here it's, yes. a, it's a it's a tiny little thing it's a annoying and boring but i do think it's important we're talking about games or movies, or going, to, uh, listening to music, or going to a museum. I don't think um, that playing games is an art. I don't think that playing necessarily sports is an art. I don't think that viewing movies is an art. I think the movie is a piece of art. I think okay. the game is a piece of art. And I think so. I think that's where people get kind of caught up sometimes. Ah, interesting about the the art the argument that uh, video games aren't art because you just play. Well, you you never ask if the audience is making art by watching the movie, you look at the object itself. And so I never understood the the, uh, uh-huh. the debate around video games. Well, obviously video games are a piece of art because someone created it. There's beauty, there's music, there's acting, there's visuals. That's a piece of art. No one's arguing that, the, that me sitting on my couch, that I'm making art by playing it. 
That's a function. I'm still functioning by playing this game, but the game is art. And so we can say that the sports as well, right? Even if you want to call it a, um, it wouldn't be a, a large or maybe even meaningful function, there still is a function to sports that I would say isn't artistic, right? Okay. You have to get this point. You have to put the ball here. You have to get it in the basket. You have to hit it here. That's function. It might be a, a, a lower defini definition of function, but it's still a function. You have to get the ball from point A to point B. That's a function. Now, how you go about doing that can be artistic. You know, we, we watch um, athletes who are just, uh, I remember watching tennis years ago and someone talked about how this tennis player, he's just a ball machine. He would just hit the ball from point A to point B. And then there was this other guy who's playing him. Everyone called his play style artistic. I'm not kidding. They, you have it because of the way he would twirl. He, it wasn't necessarily necessary or functional the way he played, but it was more beautiful. The way he moved, the way he ran, that was an artistic thing. But the game itself is not artistic because it's a functional game. It has point system rules. You go here, you do that, point A, point B. But the but play the game can be artistic. But the, but the function of those functions in the game is to do something that is intrinsic and non-functional. So, you know, the to just have fun playing a game is not something that is functional. It's just fun. It's just something that you enjoy. Doing. I don't think it's just fun. No, it is functional, particularly when you say I have to get the ball to point A to point B to make my paycheck. So for well, many sure. professional, you know, that would be or so I can show off to this girl or so I can feel better myself. I would argue that that there still is a function. Again, it's a lesser function than, let's say, uh, you know, saving the world. But it still is mere function. Do this to achieve this. Um, so I would still argue that sports fall under the definition of mere function, but that would, but that by that definition, like a lot of movies are mere function or a lot of How's because, that? because, well, because people are watching the game to have a particular experience, just like they're watching movies to have a particular experience. And most of many of the people making these are doing it for the sake of a paycheck, for the sake of to impress mm -hmm. a girl or things like that. And so the, um, I would, I think there's a little bit of flaw in the logic there. Those are tertiary reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so you make a movie to make something beyond mere function. Mm -hmm. The tertiary reason you get paid for it, right? Yes. Uh, so an artist who gets paid for something doesn't take away the artistic merit of them having created it. Right. Because the thing is still created regardless of whether they get paid for it. The game, the whole point of the game is functionary. It's not for creation aspect. No, I, I don't know that I agree with that. Because and what would you argue that any game is being created? Well, if the game is a particular experience of if you're talking glorifying. about the rules of the game, no, but see, the rules of the game, yes, are created in order so that you can have a particular experience of glorifying human ability, of fun, of kind of of you know enjoying watching competition. That experience that's I being glorified and communicated seems to fulfill a lot of the same functions as a work of art does. That based seems on your definition. abstract to me. It feels like you have to go to a lot of work to say that something's being created when someone's playing a game. Because at the end of the game, nothing has been, you could say, well, as a memory was created and then sure. everything's art, which is fine. We can go to everything. Okay, so, so well, that, that's the thing is then it would be an object or artifact. It has to be an aspect of this. So, well, you know, I would say you, I would still argue that a song could be a piece of art, but it is created. Sure. And it's something that remains um, and is intentionally created, again, beyond mere function. I don't know if you could argue that if you play a game of baseball, a game of baseball was created. I think that there is, and again, it comes back to this, you know when you see it, but I think it would be hard to emotionally or intuitively argue that playing baseball 
is a create is an act of creation in the same way that writing a song or painting a painting is an act of creation. Sure, that's interesting. I think I I wonder though again in the same way that you can create a sheet music, you know, and say okay, I have created a song that you can play it over and over again, and it will create something beautiful that we can experience. That creating the rules of the game baseball creates something abstract in the same way that's an experience that we all experience. But now you're talking about creating the game. Yes. Not playing the game. Because you were a second ago, you were talking about playing the game. Well, so I think that creating the game can be artistic. Okay, exercise. so the, the game itself then, the thing that was created, the rules or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that, that is Okay, so that can still be art. Yes. The, the actual act of playing may not be art. But the creation of the the game itself I think it could rules. be depending. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Now, I mean, so on. I guess you know. Again, anyone who is now listening to this, we can are see lost in the weeds. How you lost weeds again? I, this is fun. Again, this is why you know we became friends. We became a podcast because <laughs> we like and enjoy this stuff. And to getting into the weeds here, but I think a lot of people. And you guys can decide whether or not you want us to do more of these get into the weeds, go back, like, you know, uh, uh, episodes like this. But one of the things I think is interesting about this, I want to go back to a little bit, is that because you brought up, okay, go saying, is this art? Is this not art? You can kind of get lost the weeds of it, like you said, and say, okay, well, does how much does it really matter? If somebody says, you know, say, I'm going to say that this, you know, um, this baseball is art, you know, whatever you mean by that. You know, the, the rules of the game or abstract is art, or I'm not going to say that. Why do you think we call certain things art, uh, particularly? And why do you think that that matters? I alluded to some reasons that you might say that it matters. Um, but what are we trying to preserve by defining art in a particular way, particularly the way you do, which I think is honestly the closest that anybody kind of comes to. Most people say it's representational of something that's um, beyond mere function, most a lot of people say beauty. It's about beauty. How we define beauty, um, you know. Uh, El Disniaka, she talks about the fact that it's it's to make something special. Like she also does that thing about it sets apart to say, hey, this is worth paying attention to. So most people say it's about setting something apart beyond mere function that's beautiful that I want to engage with in some way. Why is it important to? put these definitions around something, around art. What is it we're trying to preserve or you are trying to preserve when you say, I want to call this thing art versus not art? I think it's a differentiation between what makes us human and mm. um, and in the image of the divine. And, and, I, and whether or not you're an atheist or a believer or whatever it might be, religious, um, I still think there's this kind of intrinsic thing when it comes to art that is... Um, don't yell at me. Yes, I know an animals, you know, elephants paint stuff, but there's an intrinsic desire within humans to make things beautiful. We decorate our homes, right? You, you don't see um, a, a bird making their nest beautiful. You see it, you see them making it functional and it's out of instinct that they do this. But we have this extra instinct, humans, which we would call the divine instinct that says, don't just live in a, in a box. Like I'm sitting in my apartment right now and I'm looking around um, uh, my wife, Keely, and I, we've put things on the walls that are beautiful to us. Mm -hmm. um, we have decorated in a way um, that, that has no functional. Uh, in, in fact, sometimes it's, it's, it, it plays against functionality, right? Things are in our way or like uh, this is, it, you know, this, it, 
it is very pretty, but it, it kind of distracts or whatever it might be. Um, humans have this instinct to beautify things beyond mere function. And I think that's a divine instinct that you could argue. And whether you're a believer or not, I think that we want to make sure that we define um, uh, the the inclinations of instinct and animalistic instinct and divine instinct. We, we, want to, we want to make a clear definition that we are more than just animals. And I think one of the best ways we can show this is by the creation of art. Animals do things on simply a function out of out of a functionality instinct. Humans do things on function out of an animalistic function functionality that's survival based. But we do things that are more that speak to something that's even deeper than just our physical needs, but hit our emotional, our spiritual needs, which is why we put pictures on the wall, which is why every morning we light a candle, we listen to music. This is going beyond mere function and something that feeds what we call more spiritual side of ourselves. So I think that's a really important thing to both the believer and the atheist, whether they whether they know it or not, um, to make sure that we know we are more than just animals. And so <clears throat> when it comes down to, you know, we can argue all day, well, uh, you know, baseball does have these things and this can be artistic. Mm -hmm. But again, I want to return to this and it's not very scientific of me. We know it when we see it because we have this divine image inside of us. We know art when we see it. Now, if you want to ask why um, people do this, uh, you know, aside from what I just said about the divine instinct, I do think there's, of course, you have humans who are prideful and gatekeepy, right? I think there's a big, uh, you know, we've always seen this. When you come to defining things, you get to define out the people or the things that you don't like. So I think, of course, there's this human inclination uh, to jump on and own the definition so you can gatekeep and feel special and cool. But I think really at the heart of it, what we ought to be uh, going for is the reason we try to define this is not to keep anyone out or anything out, but but rather to look at and see the difference between uh, the the not necessarily just the difference, the more than aspect of our animalistic selves that we are more than just animals. And I think art is one of the best displays of the divine nature inside of us. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to take a step further. I think that it's not just a matter of trying to, like you said, gatekeep. Or even gatekeep between us and animals, saying like, no animals, you don't get to be us or it be humans. <laughs> I think it is because we want to be able to justify giving it resources. I mean, there's definitely, you know, a huge amount of periods in history where like, you know, in in communists, you know, Russia, you know, where, you know, they would literally like go anything that wasn't functional in you know, architecture or any thing that somebody made that didn't serve to propagate communism, they would say, get rid of this. And what you mm. see then is something in people's souls, you know, died. died. Yes. And yeah. one of the ways that communism started to topple was people would bring in from the West Beatles music and things that would say, like, yes, this speaks to our soul. And so- mm. We want to define art so that we can say this is something else that you can see that is valuable for whatever reason it is. For some reason, human beings need something that paintings, that movies, that music all provide. And when we give something a name, then we can say that thing that I've just named is valuable and worth giving resources to and worth both. First of all, not shaming people for pursuing those things and giving people freedom to pursue those things. But also, again, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a professional film critic. Nathan is a professional filmmaker. 
And we're wanting people to give resources to make art, not only art, but good art that speaks better to the soul or does better something that's... It makes the world more beautiful and better, practically. Yes. And so a lot of times when we're, you know, and a lot of times because this is the other thing, defining what art is helps us define and argue better what better and worse art is. Mm. Because you can say this is, you know, to use a really like, you know, nerdy Christian and ancient kind of philosophical term, when you know it's teleology, therefore like what it is and therefore what its purpose explain, explain is. Explain teleology. Yeah, basically um, knowing what something's purpose is. Because if you can define a hammer, you can say, well, I know what's going to make a better or a worse hammer because I know what its function is. And so that's when you get into some of the gatekeeping aspects that can fall into gatekeeping. But I can say, I know what art is, and therefore I know what purpose it serves in the human heart. And so I can say, that's a bad movie because it doesn't actually serve people the way they need to be served. Yeah. And I so that and so that's I think one of the instincts to say, you know, for me, say like art is a function of, you know, to a certain degree, communicating value, you know. Because then you can say this movie or something, it doesn't actually communicate what is worth valuing or it makes an argument for what's not worth valuing something that's good or bad. You can kind of say this is not as good art. And that's, I think, one of the reasons this is so important to people is A, to say art is worth giving resources to. And the other is to be able to fight for better art that better serves what it's supposed to be and people therefore. I'm going to take this even even step further. We're just yeah, yeah. I'm going to build on this. We've talked about the the heaven instinct that yes. whether atheist or, or religious, we all have an instinct for heaven. That we have a desire for a perfect world. We have a desire for um, how the world is supposed to be. And I think that art is our attempt at either seeing what that should what the world should look like or could look like or displaying what it should not look like. And so we see this, you know, if you ever see art that's a very sad and dark, maybe a horror movie, we're looking at someone who is hyper-focused on the world shouldn't look this way. The world shouldn't have monsters. The world shouldn't have all these terrible things. Or you have art that shows you what the world should and could look like, and it kind of interacts with and ignites that heaven instinct, which is this is what we really actually longed for. When we hear a beautiful piece of music, when you see a beautiful movie, there there comes this natural reaction in you that goes, ah, that. You know, I was recently watching a superhero movie, and this goes, and we can get into Nietzsche and all that, but uh, but I won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> another time. <laughs> yes, an- another time. But when I saw this hero, uh, and, and he was acting the way um, of the Ubermensch, the Superman, he, he was being everything you should be, heroic, kind, good, uh, uh, courageous, there was something that ignited me that I want to be that. I know I'm not that. Even physically, I'm not that image right there, but I want to be. And so it ignites this, what I call the heaven instinct, which is that's what I want to be and should be, and I'm going to move towards that. So I think that art, the creation of art, is all of humanity's attempt at trying to see heaven and trying to move humanity in the world even a little closer to heaven. And an interesting thing that we always forget too, we have to, if we're going to talk about art, we have to talk about the artist. Sorry, getting a little, uh, getting a little theological here, but you know, when I talk about um, art as anything that's made beyond mere function, we have to remember, and this is just, you know, I, I know this, 
this is an uncomfortable thing for both Christians and atheists. I think I'm talking ridiculously uh, to begin with. But um, if we think about God and we think about the, the grand designer um, who is we in, in our cosmology is totally complete. He didn't need us. He didn't need Ooh. you. He didn't need the world. He created all of this out of um, desire beyond mere function. Now, there is functionality in the universe. We see how cells work. We see how nature works. But all of it was created for something beyond mere function. So that actually starts to define both the universe and us as artistic expressions of something that wasn't needed but wanted. And so I think that is an image of how we, you know, and again, it gets hard with definitions and is this or we can argue about that all day long. But I do think that there is something to this idea when looking at God that all of creation, he is the artist, the artist, capital T, um, he created all of this and you and me um, for something beyond mere function. We are not needed, we are wanted. So art is not necessarily survivalistically understood as needed, but it is wanted. So there is a need to it. I'm not arguing that it's not needed, but it's not physically needed. You you can't eat a painting. Well, you shouldn't. You probably can't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. It won't be good It will for not you. be, you'll not be getting the most out of its function. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, I think that art is a humanity's attempt to see the world as it should be. And ultimately it's a longing for heaven. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the, the uh, C.S. Lewis who, we will continue to bring up in uh, every other episode, but uh, <laughs> you talk about friendship. He said that you know, friendship is like one of those things like art, like anything else that uh, has no survival value. Instead, it gives value to survival. Mm, and yeah. I think, you know, I mean, and, you know, Dead Poet Society, which again, I I rip on many, many times, uh, rightly so, but it has one of those lines there from Robin Williams' character who says, that you know um business and all these different things are wonderful things that are there to sustain life but poetry is what we sustain life for and there is something and dr ellen disanyake you know talked about this in what is art for one of she she and she does this bit more in her book art and intimacy is that you know we do have at the very beginning when we first started making things, we first started making houses, we first started making, you know, we also decided we needed something to just be there to adore and to gaze at and to celebrate and praise. Mm -hmm. There is an instinct to celebrate and praise something and gaze and experience joyful that life shouldn't just be about eating, sleeping, procreating, and dying. It should be something that we say, look at the world around us. Isn't this worth looking at and celebrating and noticing and representing and unpacking um, in in a just for itself, just to be worth celebrating and noticing and adoring in some way? And of course, that comes from, you talk about God creates humanity to look at it and say, wow, you're beautiful and wonderful and worth loving and wants us to then do the same thing to each other and to his creation and to him. So mm. human beings are made to adore and to find and to be adored and to be adored. And so I think in a sense, the freedom and the value to define art as a place where that where we create things to exist to do that is what we're fighting to preserve as an intrinsic part of our humanity. Well, and to wrap up, I'm gonna read a quote by the great Pablo Picasso, who was yes. um a very controversial artist, but an artist nonetheless. 
Uh, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. And I think he's getting at this instinct that the human soul, there is something inherently creative beyond mere function, that we create beauty to understand God, to understand something beyond just the physicality of this reality. Um, so I love that. And I hope that somewhere in this word salad we threw at you guys today, that there is some sort of maybe a little further understanding, maybe what art is and what it's here for. Um, but if you think we got it wrong, or you think we got it right, we really like that. Uh, make sure to write us. We want to hear your feedback. We want to hear what you think art is. And if we missed anything, um, or if we said something that made, really made you think um, something new. So we hope you enjoy this episode. But Joseph, uh, we are now going to get into our artistic recommendations in the segment called Blesses and Curses. Nice segue. Like, you know, you'll become the master of segues. Um, the artist yes. of segues. Oh, okay. All right. Well, don't, don't, don't push it. Um, <laughs> so you have, uh, yes, Blesses and Curses, where we take a work of art, media, or resource and uh, recommend it, i.e. bless it, or diss it, i.e. curse it. So, Nathan, uh, what are your blesses and or curses today? I'm going super heady today. Um, I'm going to bless a documentary first which I think is just, I watched it years ago and I had to look it up to like find the title. But it was I st it's one of those documentaries that you think about over and over again, particularly in conversations like these. And I'm like, finally, I get to bless this. But it's called <laughs> Who the Bleep is Jackson Pollock? And it's literally about this woman who at a, at a flea market finds this painting and she's like, yeah, this looks kind of funny. I'll buy it. So she buys it and hangs on her wall. Uh, and then I can't remember exactly what the process is, but she ends up finding out that this, um, from, from professionals that this is almost certainly a Jackson Pollock original. Um, and I don't want to spoil everything for you. And this ushers her into the art world where the entire world um, of critics and, 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 uh, and buyers and sellers and artists, all of a sudden she finds this world is less about what is actually art and has a lot more, um, let's just say, uh, uh, selfish components mm. to this world um but it's really really illuminating uh particularly in light of conversations like these about what is art what isn't art who gets to decide what art is and why are they deciding what it is and isn't oh, that's um, great. So really really interesting it's a fun documentary but it really really um asks a lot of these great questions and doesn't doesn't necessarily answer all of them but it gives you a lot to chew on so i really enjoy who the bleep is jackson pollock um, I'm going to curse <laughs> article and this is in preparation for this. And so I was like, what can I curse? And I can think of no better curse. Um, but there's an article about an Italian artist. I'm not going to name, name names. You can look it up later. Um, but he <laughs> auctioned off a quote, invisible sculpture for $18,000. And it's made of literally nothing. Uh, so a, an Italian artist, um, he he literally sold at auction uh, on, on an empty table an imaginary, what he said, out of his imagination, sculpture. Now, to me, this just sounds lazy, but I think this this flies right in the face of actual definition of something created. You could argue he created an imaginary thing, but it's not a thing. He didn't create anything. And so I think this it, he didn't actually make the world a better place or make it more beautiful. And you could argue that the, the artistic element here was uh, a prank, was funny. I mean, I would say the the um uh the actions of a man making 20 grand off of doing nothing is 
it, you could argue there's some artistic elements in there, but you, what you cannot argue is that nothing is artistic or a, an artistic creation. Um, so I have to, I have to curse this. Um, how have we gotten to a point where someone actually drops 20 grand to buy literally nothing? Um, I don't have that kind of money. If you do send it to me, cause I will give you tons of nothing. Um, but so I got to curse, uh, this, uh, this unnamed artist's work that was not a work. Um, yeah. So those are my blessings, my curses. Well, that's an actually excellent point of what we were point we were making before is that the reason why you know people like you and me look at that and we want to be able to gatekeep and say that's not art is because we see the value that art that is actually created and made brings and we don't yes. want people to say there's no difference in value between those things because we want yes. people to be investing that twenty thousand dollars into making something that actually does fill that need for the divine in yes. people and if they can yeah. just as equally give that to something like a nothing versus a something then literally the world becomes less of a beautiful place than it could in the words of in the in the views of people like me and nathan so that's that's a really good example of of that concept um so yes okay so yeah i am going to do my blessing of curse i'm also going to be a little bit highbrow here um i'm going to bless um uh, the book, uh, What is Art For? by Dr. Ellen Disanyake, who I've quoted a couple times here. If you really want to go heady in terms of somebody who is looking at the um, uh, the history of like the, the it seems that uh, the best we can know, the first artists in small villages and how, what the function was and why people made art from sort of a historical anthropological perspective. That's really interesting. I found that really helpful in building some of my ideas and some of my thoughts on this. Um, also, uh, got to give a shout out to Madeline Langle and her book, um, Walking on Water, where yeah. she has one of my favorite quotes about art is um, creating cosmos out of chaos. Yes. So, you know, if you want, again, you have the anthropological one. If you want a more poetic kind of exploration of what art is and what Christian art is, that is a great book to do. Uh, I'm also going to do an oldie but a goodie. Haven't blessed this in a really long time. Probably the only our first year, if ever. Then uh, the movie Birdman, um, okay, because Good that's a, a sort of a cynical unpacking of like what is art, why is it valuable, and in the, very much like your documentary that you mentioned, in a world where it seems everybody is trying to be in this for the wrong reasons, whether it's to build mm. their is their ego or to make money or or just kind of you know, whatever it is, but there's still something valuable here. There's a reason that everybody's here and sort of unpacking that from a very satirical perspective. So if that's up your alley, that's good. On the flip side, I'm going to be a little bit cruel and I feel bad about this, uh, but sure. yeah, a little, just a little bit bad um, is I'm going to curse the uh, movie Maestro uh, by, by Bradley <laughs> Cooper. Um, <gasps> I know, shocking. I feel... Again, I feel a little bit bad because he keeps talking about how he puts six years of his life into researching and into perfecting his performance uh, as as the great Leonard Bernstein, the the conductor. So first, he has to deal with a Golden Globe snub, and second, he gets a curse from Joseph at the Overthinkers. I think which this is, is going to really ruin his day. <laughs> I know. Yes, Three exactly. Three years about this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Um. But yeah, ultimately, I mean, one of the things I think that makes art good and makes it great is if the pieces, all the different arts, particularly in film, come together 
to do something and to say something that is meaningful. And you can, we can mm. argue about what meaningful is, but one of the tragedies I find with a lot of multimedia mediums like movies is oftentimes the acting can be really good. The, you know, cinematography can be really good. Whatever, these pieces can be really good, but they don't come together to make something. So I often say the problem with this- whole. A larger whole. Um, is that it's less than some of its parts, unfortunately. Mm. And the parts are really good. Again, he does a great job acting in it. He does, but they couldn't figure out what it had to say to uh, me or to us or really anybody. And so it ultimately kind of ends up not saying anything. And in a, and he's trying to glorify art and artists, but he also kind of ends up saying, yeah, it's okay. He kind of ruined his family because he made great art, which is not... That's another reason why it's important to define art and its function, because it does need to be put in its proper place. Because yeah. as you said, if ultimately art is about love, you know, and is about loving God and loving others, if somehow our art gets in the way of loving God and loving others, then doing it's, it wrong. It's doing it wrong. So that's why I would say I would curse Maestro. Love Bradley Cooper. Hope his neck he bounces back from this in his next project. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be rough with the overthinker's curse, man. I know, I know. It's with great power comes great responsibility, my friend. Uh so anyway, um, yes. Well, thank you everybody for listening to us. This was a fun throwback debate about definitions episode. We haven't done these in a while. Um, so Nathan, if people do enjoy this, have gotten a lot out of this and want to uh, engage with more of what we do and what you do, uh, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.world and they can also go to our online private group for all you overthinkers uh, on Facebook called The Overthinkers. If you want to get in touch with me, go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name on any of the socials, Nathan Clarkson. I also have a book about kind of my journey as an artist, um, particularly in the um, the film and acting industry. If you'd like to read that, it's called Finding God in Hollywood. I'd love for you to read that. And also for all you young artists out there, I'm a certified life coach and I offer coaching, um, particularly in the areas of writing books, um, movie, making movies, uh, getting to the acting industry. If you want personalized coaching um, on your artistic journey, I would love to talk with you and, uh, and set up a session. So please reach out to me at nathanclarkson.me. Uh, Joseph. You can find me on any of the socials as well. Also, my website, josephholmstudios.com. Also, I have regular review columns of movies and even now sometimes books at religionunplugged.com if you want my opinions on whether or not this is good art or bad art based on my definitions because I'm the one writing it. You can uh, go find my work there. I've also written for Relevant Magazine. Uh, and of course, uh, I also do uh, script doctoring. So if you have a movie or a book or something that you really want to say, hey, how can I write this in such a way that Joseph would give it a good review when it came out? Uh, you can reach out to me at josephholmstudios.com as well. So anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.